Welcome to the Pursuit Podcast. I'm your host, Shana Recker, and I help entrepreneurs be, do, and have more in life through sharing the strategies and the mindset tools that have helped me build multiple six-figure online businesses. The mission behind this show is simple, to allow more people to pursue their most meaningful goals, take the right actions, and make their desires become a reality. This podcast and our guests will help you make a quantum leap from where you are to where you want to be. And before you jump into this episode today, don't forget to go and download the Nail Your Niche free guide and online tool to help you get super clear with your niche so that you can attract in those dream clients. You can grab that at shanarecker.com forward slash niche. Now let's dig in. Hello and welcome to the Dream Hustle podcast. I'm your host, Shana Recker. And today I have Ina Kovanay, uh, who is someone I met on Instagram and we, she found me actually through the pursuit podcast, this podcast, my episode on starting my Instagram account over from scratch, because she did the exact same thing, started her Instagram account from scratch and discovered my episode and realized we had lots in common. So she reached out on Instagram and long story short, we've done a few different things together uh, since then. And one of them is having her on today's episode of the pursuit podcast. So Ina is the host of the global phenomenon podcast, and she helps up and coming online coaches monetize their tiny audiences through organic lead generation strategies before they invest money in audience growth. Ina reached six figures in her business before ever cracking a thousand followers on any of her platforms. And her mission is to help coaches do the same. We have a great conversation around all things business growth and Instagram on today's episode. So buckle up everyone. Here we go. Welcome Ina to the pursuit podcast. I'm so excited to have you here. I am so happy to be here. Thank you so much for inviting me, Shana. Well, we had such a great conversation on your IG live. I wanted to introduce you to the pursuit audience because we actually had such a great chat about all things Instagram. And I think it's, it's let's, let's talk about it here on the pursuit podcast. Cause I know people they want to know about Instagram, <laughs> right? And and funny enough, this is how I found you through your through. podcast. And we'll get into that too. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna give it all away yeah. right now. But like that was my first exposure to you was finding your podcast. So I'm excited to be here. Well, and this is why I recommend to my clients that podcasting is an absolute um, it's it's just a no-brainer for your business because I find most people find me through the podcast is how yeah. they they get onto my Instagram or get into my groups or buy my programs and stuff. So yeah. it has been an excellent tool for uh for finding or helping people connect with with the information, right? So no, absolutely. And you yeah. have a podcast too, right? Yeah, this is my fourth podcast to date. I've been podcasting since 2012. I'm a dinosaur in yeah. podcasting years. Yeah. Okay. Well, I thought I was a dinosaur and I started podcasting in 2016. So yeah, you're even way ahead of me. So that's amazing. And what's your yeah. podcast name? Just so it's the global phenomenon and it's about the online coaching industry. So I interviewed the top online coaches. I've had Laura Belgrade, Pat Flynn, mm. John Lee Dumas, Rachel Miller, Rachel Engel, Melissa Farr, Melissa Lynn, everybody you can, you can think of. Those are my guests. It's by invitation uh. only, very exclusive. I want to talk to the people that have really inspired the entire online coaching movement and really yeah. get them back to when they were human before yes. they were superhuman. It's like, no, tell me when you were like me, what was that like? So that's well, what I'm and it's, about. 
It's so, and this is how I start all my podcast interviews is I love for people to tell the story about how they got into entrepreneurship, Mm -hmm. uh, coaching specifically. And because I feel like that story resonates with the audience who are sitting back going, well, I really want to do this, but I don't know if I can, because oftentimes much like you, the amazing guests that I interview, they were just regular people having all the same fears and doubts. And they just, they just took the actions really, you know? So I love to share that story as inspiration for those listening to be able to say, Hey, if she can do it, so can I, so why don't we start there? Why don't you share your story as how, how you got into this whole, you know, online coaching business and uh, yeah, just start there. That'd be a great place. Sure. So to start, I am, so everybody knows I'm a business coach, right? I teach people, I specialize in monetizing tiny audiences. And the truth is that is because I was never really able to get a huge audience for myself. I had to figure out how to monetize a small audience. So that's what I teach. And um, so it didn't all start out that way. I didn't realize I had this gift until many, many different iterations of my business. But I started out in corporate, like a lot of people who are listening. I was sitting at a desk, um, you know, doing spreadsheets and working at night and working weekends. And, you know, that was just my life. I come from what I call like corporate pedigree. My father was the CIO of the biggest national corporation where I'm from in Venezuela. My mother was a very successful project manager. So that's kind of where I went, IT project management. And And um, I just knew that I needed to do something else, but I didn't have any examples. I didn't know that the coaching industry was a thing. I didn't know that other than selling Mary Kay products, that you could really have your own business. To me, was your options were Mary Kay or get VC funding for something, right? Like those were the two options to start a business. I didn't know that you could just go and start one, just like go. Right? Yeah, I don't think a lot. I think there's a, a lot of people who don't realize the knowledge or self-education industry and they have no clue that that's actually a thing they can do, right? Like right. that they can just start, <laughs> you know? Yeah. I and, and I didn't have any examples. There was nothing in my life telling me that this could be done. So um, I finally, in 2015, right, I run into pretty much the same way that I found your podcast is the same way that I found Amy Porterfield's podcast back in 2015. Like literally going to my podcasting app because I was listening to a lot of podcasts on my commute Mm -hmm. and somebody had mentioned something like, hey, we should start a mastermind. And I'm like, I don't know what a mastermind is, but it sounds awesome. Let me find out what people say about masterminds. What is a mastermind? Mm -hmm. So I went to my podcasting app typed in mastermind and downloaded a whole bunch of episodes of people talking about it. And one of them was Amy Porterfields. And I ended up unsubscribing from a lot. And Amy's just kind of bubbled to the top. And I I just became a huge fan. I don't know how you started. I don't know if Amy was. Oh yeah. She was part of, yeah, she was part of my, I took her course creation program. That was the Mm -hmm. first program that I ever invested in. And I was like, oh my God, I'm spending a thousand dollars to learn how to make a course. What am I doing? Yeah. Exactly the same. The very first thing that I bought ever from this industry, from this world was her list builders lab. Mm -hmm. At the time, I don't know how much it is now. I know that it's called something different, but it was her list building one. And it was back in 2015 and it cost like $97. That was the first thing I ever bought, but it was blowing my mind that I'm like, this woman is like making money. Just like talking to me, like Mm -hmm. this is her job talk to me. And uh, so like the wheels started turning. I spent an entire year trying to get a freebie out the door 
it never saw the light of day. I didn't have a coach. I didn't have any guidance. I'm just trying to get a freebie done, but I didn't know what I would do if people actually signed up for my list. I didn't really have a business. I had a podcast because I've been podcasting for so long, but I never thought about it as a business. So my life just went on. Then three and a half years ago, something mm -hmm. happened at work. I got screwed over for the last time. I was given a promotion without a race when I was like nine months pregnant. And um, I, I fought it. I went to my boss and I'm like, you just gave me a promotion without a race. That's not right. This was the year 2017, the year of Me Too. There had been a lot of turmoil in the company because yeah. women were not being treated the same. And I told my boss, you got to make this right. You got to do the right thing. Mm -hmm. This mm -hmm. position deserves a race. And he just kind of sighed and he's like, but you're going on maternity leave anyway. And I'm like, that doesn't sound right. So I consulted a lawyer. Turns out that is illegal. Ah. Yeah, I don't know if everyone else, but in my state, it's illegal to withhold a promotion or a raise from somebody who's going on maternity leave. So my here I have, I'm here talking to lawyers and my husband and my mother are like, can you please just, just stop the madness? Have your baby, focus on the baby. Don't get into a legal battle. No, like, yeah. what are you doing? Just have your baby. Which, by the way, I'm going to say, this is why we get screwed over. Because you start to weigh the risk versus yeah. the reward. It's like, okay, do I want to be the Joan of Arc of this cause, right? And sacrifice myself and my, my own health and my own stress mm -hmm. levels and everything while I'm having a baby? Or is it just easier to let mm -hmm. it go? I'll have my baby and I'll come back and I'll continue talking about it when I come back. So that's what I chose to do. I'm not saying that it was the right thing to do, but this mm -hmm. is why we get screwed over. Yes. Yeah. What are we going to do? We have mm -hmm. ourselves and our babies to think. Well, about. and then there's, there's the guilt, right? So it's like, oh, but if I go down this road, then I'm taking that time and attention away from my child. And it's like the mom guilt, you know, like that also plays in there. It's like, well, you know, if you do that, you're, 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 you're messing with this. And it's like, but why, why can't we somehow do both? Right. Like, or yeah. how, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. yeah. I mean, and it would take like a lot of money from the finances of my family, which by the way, we just determined that I wasn't getting a raise, right. Yeah. I was going on maternity leave, which means that our income was going to be slashed. Right. Yeah. It's like, yeah. it would have been adding so much pressure to our life that it's like, Ina, is this really worth it or not? Right. Yeah. In the grand scheme of things, in the grand cause of things, I could have chosen to be Joan of Arc but I chose not to be. And mm -hmm. I live with that. I live with that decision. So I decided not to, I've just had my baby. And uh, then I got called up and they told me, Oh, by the way, your, um, your promotion has been taken away. Uh, we are just going to let the contractor that I hired to backfill for me while I was on maternity leave, we're just going to let him have the job because he's mm -hmm. doing such a great job. So when you come back, do you mind doing what you were doing before? <laughs> and I'm like, that's when I, I've reached a point in my career, in my understanding of my self-worth to understand yeah. that I was just not going to do that. So yeah. I quit my job and I said, okay, I'm doing my business full time. And to tell you the truth, like doing the business with a, a tiny infant, it wasn't that bad for me. I know everybody uh -huh. has a different yeah. experience, please. Like this is not a standard experience. Yeah. But for me, it wasn't very hard because the baby slept a lot of the time. Mm -hmm. I was getting a ton of help. My son was going to school 
uh, already full time. My husband was taking care of a lot of things because I was taking care of the baby. So while the baby slept, I worked and mm-hmm. I'd be working until three in the morning and the baby was sleeping. So I, you know, I was able to mm-hmm. get a lot done in those first six months. Once the baby yeah. started to get more mobile, yeah. <laughs> that's when things started to get trickier, but like yeah. things were okay. So that's kind of what my transition was. And my business has been different every single year that I have mm-hmm. had it. Yeah, it does. It does evolve. I find that too. It evolves because I started, you know, when I first got into entrepreneurship, it was in network marketing, but I started with a three week old baby and a Mm -hmm. four year old and an, uh, sorry, yeah, four year old and a, and a six year old. And Mm -hmm. it was really busy at the time, but much like you, I like my friend, my girlfriend and I, who also had a brand new baby, we both started in the business at the same time. We would, we would send messages, but we'd be typing with one hand. So we had this little analogy. It was like T-W-O-H, which meant this message was typed with one hand because I'm feeding a baby in the other hand. So if there's mistakes and it absolutely doesn't make sense, that's why, but that's what we did. Like we just, we just, we, we made it work, you know, we figured it out out and worked in the times that we could and did what we needed to. But, and I don't regret that because that's, it was that time that was put in that has led me to, to where I am today. So yeah, just, yeah. you just do what you got to do. That that's basically my situation. I, you know, mm-hmm. it's gotten, it got really, really hard when the pandemic hit. Yeah. That was a huge shock to me, to my relationship with my son. So right now I have a 10-year-old and a Mm -hmm. four-year-old. So when the pandemic hit, the four-year-old had been going to daycare and my son, he was how old in 2020? He just turned 10. So he was about eight at the time. So I had an eight and a two-year-old. And the eight-year-old, when the pandemic hit, he had to be home and Mm -hmm. daycare wasn't available anymore. And I had a launch. (laughs) (laughs) I was launching a program. So it was, it was, there was a huge conflict inside of me because I was not the person who said, okay, then my business has to be put on hold Mm -mm. while I take care of homeschooling Mm -hmm. my son. Uh, That was not me. My, I have one mode, which is inertia. It's like, I need things to keep moving. I can't stop anything. Um, To this day that also manifests in, I have a really hard time when plans change, Mm. right? Like I will keep a plan just because that's what I was expecting. It's real. I I don't take it well when things change. So when this happened, I didn't stop my business. Everybody's looking at me. Everybody in my family is looking at me like, you got to adjust. You got to, you got to figure this out. You have to homeschool and you also have to do other things. The business is going to have to wait. And I'm like, no, I have a launch sequence. I have, so this was a freight train that ran into a wall and the train didn't want to stop. Right. And that created a lot of internal turmoil of turmoil in my house with my son. I was teaching him, but I was so resentful of the whole situation. I was angry. I was so angry that this had happened, that my freedom had been taken away, that I already felt like I had very little resources because I'm also a mom, right? Trying to run a business. And now I have everybody at home demanding everything of me. And I was angry and Mm -hmm. I would lash out. I would scream at my poor little Mm eight-year-old who had no fault, right? Mm -hmm. He just wanted to do things right. I'm going to cry. He just wanted to do things right. He didn't want to disappoint me. And I'm here yelling at him. So we went into therapy. 
me and my eight-year-old son both together. It Mm. wasn't that, okay, my son needs to be fixed or I need to be fixed. It's like, we have to work on our communication. How do we do this? Yeah. Yes. And we did, we started both of us going to therapy together where I would get to express the things that frustrated me and he got to express what frustrated him. And I'm going to tell you, it made a huge Mm. difference. Mm. Um, Our relationship started to get better, right? Because he started to acknowledge the points that you know, I, we, we got to help him understand that sometimes I lash out, not because of him, but because yeah. of something else that is happening. So I was able to use my words better and he was able yeah. to understand better. Yeah. That's amazing that you did that. And thank you for being so vulnerable with that. Cause I think there's a lot of parents that had to, that went through that during like during the COVID, during the pandemic and during all of these things. And, you know, to have to process those feelings and those emotions and um, the fact that you recognize that that was happening and did something about it, which is amazing. And I don't think it's ever too late to have, you know, to work with someone to kind of repair relationships that may have, you know, been damaged during that time, you know, so good for you for doing that. And, And what did that teach you? Like, I always feel like I truly believe that everything there's no nothing. There's no wrong things that happen. It's all just lessons and growth. And so what would you say is the biggest thing you learned from, from going through that? Number one, I learned to appreciate my son a little bit more because he's actually a really smart kid mm-hmm. and he gets it. He's a very emotionally intelligent kid. Yeah. So just to see how he would, I mean, and the, the therapist would say so himself, like, wow, he did great because he's, he's used to kids being forced into therapy and kids like not mm. wanting to be there. And like, yeah. but my son would just sit there. <laughs> and even if he wasn't listening sometimes, because I'm sitting for an hour listening to somebody, you know, yeah. talking about feelings, like he would like glaze over. But if you saw him, <laughs> you wouldn't know it because he was sitting there in the chair and he would just nod. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And he wasn't listening. So I, I became attuned to like, wait, you're, you're acting this way because you have everybody else's feelings in mind, right? You're thinking, mm-hmm. you're not just thinking about yourself, right? And I mm-hmm. thought that was a really evolved way for yeah. a kid to act, right? Yeah. To not be 100% selfish. So I learned to appreciate that he's a very smart kid and that I oh. can talk to him about things. I can reason with him. In terms of uh, the ability to, my ability to mold to situations, mm-hmm. uh, I'm not sure exactly what the learning was there other than now I am better prepared. for when things happen, right? Because things got progressively better. And it's not because the external situation changed. It was because we figured out how to make it work. So if there's one thing that I can just put out there is learn how to think like somebody who extrapolates situations, right? Learn to think, to not just trust that things will get better. Learn to know that whatever you're doing today Mm-hmm. Is exactly what is going to be happening 10 years from now, just in a more amplified state. Yeah. Right. So today it equals today, 10 years from now, just times 10. So mm-hmm. if you're not doing anything to fix a situation or to make a situation better today in 10 years, that times 10 is whatever you're doing. So yeah. that's where the going to therapy came from because if our relationship was so heated right now, I didn't just trust and throw my hands up and you're like, well, Things will be better someday. It's like, yeah. no, things will be whatever it is today times 10. 
So I needed to fix it. So think like an extrapolator, whatever you're doing today, times 10, that's what's going to be in 10 years. So so deal with it. Yeah. So deal with it. Well, and I think the other thing too is, is, and this is how I've always been or not always been. I think I actually had to learn this probably the hard way, but realizing that when things go off track, when things are changing is to, or to understand that there could potentially be a reason for it, right? Like Mm. there might be a reason why, you know, you're not supposed to launch right now and that it's actually going to be better at a different time. And that like, not that things are happening on purpose, it's hard to describe, but it's not that things are happening on purpose, but to learn that, that just because something is shifting or changing, it doesn't mean that it's wrong. It just might mean like you just have to learn to go with the flow a little bit because it might be better if it happens this way, right? So like not putting so much, um, not holding on to one way so tightly because if you let go and be loose and be like, okay, this is happening, I'm going to have to adjust. It might mean I have to do something that's not really what I want to do, but I trust that by changing this, it's going to actually work out better for me. And that there, there is a reason kind of thing, right? Like I do believe we're universally guided. uh, And so sometimes these things happen and to be able to go with the flow. I think the way that I think about it is anything that happens, no matter how crappy it is right now, it's preparing you for something bigger, right? The only thing is that this pandemic thing was a really big thing. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, why wasn't it gradual? Why didn't I yeah. prepare for this gradually? It just feels like a really big thing. Mm-hmm. But in reality, that just means that whatever I learned from going through that situation, anything else that happens, like if we go back into lockdown, mm-hmm. we're better prepared, prepared, right? If anything yeah. else happens, you guys, we often don't realize how good we have it when we mm-hmm. have it good. Mm-hmm. We don't. Um, I, I'm, I'm a product of it. I wouldn't be here if it wasn't because of divine timing. Um, I'm from Venezuela and back in 2001, well, well, everything started in 98 anyway. Uh, but back in 2001, there was a big, a strike of every industry in Venezuela because the then president, Hugo Chavez, was getting his hands on every industry and firing public officials left and right and putting in his cousin and his brother to manage huge, uh, huge parts of the industry. So the whole industry, like private and public, chose one day to grind to a halt, right? Um, and that was in 2001. Things have never gotten better since then. Mm. The country has just been in in constant decline since then. It's been 20 years already, right? Um, But back then in 1999, my father thought it would be good. I don't know. I, I still don't, I don't know what they were thinking, but I really wanted to come to school in the US. I really wanted to study here. Mm. And I I don't know that I would have made the same decisions that they did, but they said, okay, I think you've proven yourself to be mature enough, or it seems like, yeah, you might be able to pull it off. So sure. And they were like, my parents were, you know, pretty well off. They had, they had Mm -hmm. really excellent jobs. They had been really smart with their money. Um, So they sent me to school abroad. They sent their daughter to school 2,500 miles away in a different country right? In like, just, they just did it. And to this day, I go to them like, what were you thinking? This had never Mm -hmm. been done in our family. Nobody Mm -hmm. had ever done it. They had people in our family telling them you're about to lose your kids. 
you do that, you send them away, you're sending them away from you. Like you're gonna mm-hmm. lose your kids. Stop, stop what this is. And it turns out that I made it. <laughs> my, they ended up sending my sister the next year in 2000. Uh, so both of us were here. My sister ended up actually getting engaged and getting married right out of college. And she was able to pa- file paperwork for my parents. So now they live up here. And oh, nice. none of that would have happened if it hadn't happened at the exact right time, because after the 2001 strike, my father was let go from his job because of the strike. So mm-hmm. none of this would have happened if it had just been a year later or two years later. Well, this is why I say like, we're divinely guided. Like you, you, your, your purpose, and we are totally off topic. You guys, we are going to talk <laughs> Sorry. about Instagram. No, no, Sorry. no. Yes. No, no, don't <laughs> apologize. It's great. I love the conversation, but we will talk about Instagram here shortly. But I just want to say like, this is part of what I'm saying is that your part of your purpose on this planet needed you to be in the U S and in order for that to happen, it didn't make sense in that moment why your parents were sending you away, but it was part of the, the guide. Like they intuitively were like, well, let's just, let's, let's make this happen because that's part this is your plan. This is why you're here. Like this is, you needed to be here for your, your reason for being on this earth kind of thing. So I just think it's so cool that, you know, these things that happen to us, like you said, they're preparing us for something and there's, it's like, there is some guidance that's happening. And I love that. And I think that if you're feeling that on this, if you're going through something right now, I know it's hard to say it in the moment because I've gone through some really crappy times in my life. Let me tell you, but I look back and I wouldn't change them because they led me to, to where I am today. Yeah. Right. And, and just always remember that as strapped as, as, as awful a situation may seem right now, mm-hmm. you actually have it pretty good. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, I'll, I'll always remember that. Yes. Yeah. Always remember that like things are the best right now. Later on, something else that is even crappier is going to happen, but whatever yeah. is happening right now is preparing you to be able to withstand that. So things are yeah. never as good as today. Yeah, that's so true. I love that. Okay, let's switch gears. Let's get into yeah. the Instagrammy okay. stuff because okay. that was okay. really good. I think that we helped a lot of people with that conversation. So I'm glad that we went there. Um, again, we were guided to that. So there we go. Um, so let's talk about the fact that one of the things that you and I have in common, and this is kind of what brought us together, is that's mm-hmm. how you found me was my episode on starting my Instagram account from scratch. Yes. And that's something we both did. I did it. I did it in late 20. Uh, late 2020 is when I created the account, but I didn't really have the courage. I was still kind of on the fence. Am I going to start this new account or am I going to keep this one that I had? And for me, it was January, 2021, where I was like, all right, I'm using it. And I closed my old account. Well, I'm still trying to close it. Instagram doesn't let you close an account very easily, but Mm -hmm. still trying to close it, trying to tell, let everybody know I'm over here now. So that for me was January of 2021. So not even Mm -hmm. quite a year. And when did you start yours and why, why did you start yours? June 21st, 2021 was the first day that I dropped content into it. Mm. First post, first story, first anything June 21st. Uh, The reason I did it is because I started to get really, really frustrated with my old account. Mm. Um, And I am going to be completely honest with you because I know that there's 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 some self-awareness that needed to happen here. It's not just because I was so frustrated, but it could be 
also, I, it's been infused into me to believe that because I've never had a really big audience, I actually feel comfortable with small audiences, right? Mm-hmm. So everything, uh, everything is telling me that in a small audiences are where you belong, mm-hmm. right? Um, even though like I'm here, like I'll raise my hand. I want a hundred thousand followers yeah. right now, right? I do. I'm not saying that I don't want them. I do. I totally do, but. There's something in me that always gravitates to the smaller groups, to the smaller audience, to the higher engagement uh, groups. So I started my older account way back, 2018. I just basically like cleared everything and then I just started out from scratch. The thing is that I didn't really know what I was doing. So Mm -hmm. I would come and I would post on Instagram, but I was really spending all my time on Facebook. I didn't understand Instagram, right? So I would just come and post some things, maybe automatically post from Facebook to Instagram, like things like that. So I would have like periods of like, hey, I'm here. And then periods of like, I'm not here. Go to Facebook, Mm -hmm. right? Periods I'm here and I'm here, here and I'm here. And then earlier this year, I'm going to say like around May, I hit for the first time ever in three years, 1,000 followers on that old account. And I was excited about it because I had actually started to make an effort this year. I spent six months trying to like get that account going. Yeah. And I grew it from like 750 to 1000 in like five months. And I was so excited about it. Right. I'm like, great. But then like everything that I'm telling you, like all that self-awareness came down. It's like, no, wait, Ina, but you really belong in smaller accounts. I'm going to tell you that was, that was something I played a part. It wasn't conscious. This is something yeah. that I've discovered through this process. I'm like, oh shoot, the only, the reason I started a new account is not just because I was frustrated with the growth of the old one is because I freaked out because yeah. the audience was growing and I didn't, I still didn't feel like that was me. I felt like I needed to start from scratch. So that was a factor. Yeah. I can relate to that because I, that, so my account, I had grown to 15,000 followers. It was just over 15. Actually at one point I was at 16,000 and something, yeah. but I had grown some of that obviously organically. Cause I was posting and doing stuff, but a lot of my growth came from loops. I had mm-hmm. a service that I had hired to help me find followers, like the follow and follow stuff. Um, mostly loops and, 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 and the service that I hired. And then everything else was just me even going in and doing my own kind of organic, you know, Hey, commenting on people's stuff and whatever. And I felt that same sort of thing. There was two things I felt one, it was like, every time I'd go to go on Instagram, it's like, and it's such a, it's such a mind bend thing because it's like, you're thinking, Oh, there's 15,000 people potentially could watch this story right now. And it did, it made me feel the same sort of way. It's like, there was this like fear of speaking to a large audience, even though there was never, ever that many people who would ever see my stuff. Um, but the other thing was, is that I really believe in and preach authenticity. Mm-hmm. And I, it's a very, it's one of my core values is to, I'll tell you everything about me. I'll tell you, you know, like I'm very authentic and I'm, you know, all that kind of stuff. And so I felt very conflicted by the fact that I preach authenticity, but my number wasn't created authentically. Yeah. Yeah. And that really, that really bothered me. And that's why I was like, I need to let this go because it's not serving me. I wasn't able to show up in the way that mm-hmm. I wanted to with that audience that I had curated in that way. Yeah. yeah. Right. Which is, which is why I reached out to you to have you on my Instagram live to talk about it. Cause I thought it was, a, and everybody, by the way, should go back and listen to Shana's episode <laughs> about why she started a new account. I'll put it in the show notes. <laughs> please do. Uh, it was a great episode. It was around that time that I was like, I feel like I need to start from scratch because like I said, it's a three-year-old account where I had been 
in and out, in and out. I didn't even know who was there. Uh, my business had changed. Like I said, every single year I was pivoting. I was, I was just mm-hmm. talking more specifically about something else or something else or something else. So the people who started following me in the beginning were not even there. Um, the only people that were showing up to my lives were like my mother-in-law, my sister-in-law. And you guys know how self-conscious you can get when you're on video and you're speaking to an audience, but you know that the only two people that are currently watching you are not your audience. And in fact, they're family members. It's like, it's just that it didn't feel good. It didn't feel good at all. So I decided, I'm like, you know what? My numbers are not huge anyway, right? Mm -hmm. I'm starting something brand new. Um, I'm going to do all the right things, right? I know about social media. Now I'm not the expert at the growth of social media. I'm Mm -hmm. an expert at monetizing your audience. That's what I'm good at. So, but I have learned a lot of things along the way. So I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to say, okay, that old account was great, but not really my audience anymore. I'm going to do all the right things now and see if I can grow it. And my goal to be 100% transparent, I wanted to grow to 1000 followers in two months. I'm like, I'm going to do all the right things and in two months, I want to see it go to a thousand. In two months, I grew it to 350. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I went live and I'm like, I miserably failed at my goal of growth. But at the same time, I just posted about this today. I'm getting a 14.5% story mm-hmm. view rate, right? Which right. is like unheard of, right? One of my audience members told me, uh, oh my God, my views are so low. I have 2,500 followers, but I only get like 40 or 50 views, right? Right? Because engagement is where it's at. That's right? exactly. Like, that's what it is. <laughs> and I'm, I don't want to come here and say like, you know, I, it's just about the engagement. Like once you figure out how to monetize your small audience, once you know what the process is, right? Once you know what, when somebody comes in and follows you, what to do to get them to become a lead and then Mm -hmm. to get them to become a client. Once you figure that out, knock yourself out growing your account. And I feel like I'm there. I am there and I'm, and I'm not uh, beneath, you know, paying for ads or boosting posts. I'm not beneath any of that. At this point, I will be following everything that I can do to grow my account the right way because I have figured that part out. But if you haven't figured that part out yet, don't worry so much about the audience growth. Figure out how to get the current followers into your pipeline. Yeah. And well, let's talk, I want to, I want to talk about that, but let's go back to the engagement piece. Cause that yeah. was one of the reasons why too, that I, I switched to a new account. It's interesting. Cause I have, I just went over the thousand mark mm-hmm. like last, the last couple of weeks, which yay, I know I've never been so excited about a thousand followers. Like, I know that's awesome. so it's, it's great. But what I notice is, is that my engagement rates on this account are actually higher than the engagement rates on my other account with 15,000 followers. And so to me, it was like, it felt like a fresh uh, start. It felt like a fresh opportunity to, you know, re-engage with the, with my, with the people. Um, So that, that is so true. It's, and that's the thing, that's what can happen when you build an account inauthentically, Mm -hmm. you know, like using those tools, which it's fine if you want to, I mean, everybody has their own thing, but those things can mess with your algorithms. They can mess Mm -hmm. with your reach. They can mess with your, and once those things are messed up, it's hard to get those things back because you kind of get flagged as an account that's, you know, and then Instagram, like, you can't right. talk to the Instagram gods and say, sorry, can you fix this? Like there it just doesn't happen. Yeah, they, they, they do not have a great um, help desk for you no. to fix your algorithm problems. But this is 
this is another major reason why I started the new account is because I was convinced that, you know, I, you know how people say, oh, I've been shadow banned. And for mm-hmm. anybody who hasn't heard that term, shadow banned basically means that Instagram is not showing your content to anybody, right? They've just mm-hmm. kind of banned you for whatever reason. And you know what? I believe in shadow bans, but it's not because Instagram is on purpose banning you. It's mm-hmm. pretty much because Instagram learns about your account through your actions, mm-hmm. right? So they know that if you have poor content, right? Consistently, yes. and people are consistently looking at it and, and Instagram is pushing it to people and then people are not engaging with it or not even not interested. Commenting. Then in, Instagram is just going to be like, okay, I'm just not going to show this content anymore. That's just the way it works. Like if you think yeah. about it, I have right now, I'm like celebrating like 457 followers, yeah, right? That's like, amazing. yay. Uh, and I don't see 457 or actually, I think I am following about 300. I follow the people that I end up connecting with, right? Yeah. Like we actually have conversations with those other people that I follow. I don't see 300 different posts when I go to my feed, no. right? The ones that bubble up to the top are the ones that I'm most likely to be engaging with. So it's not like a shadow ban is a thing that Instagram instituted. It's a thing that happens when your content is not there, when your consistency is not there, when mm-hmm. your engagement is not there. They just kind of start to like, learn about you. And I was convinced that I had trained the Instagram to think of my account as a fickle thing. As yeah. something I wasn't really going to be around. So that's I- right. You bring up a good point. You really do train Instagram to decide how to handle your account, you know, because yeah. I'm my old account. I was very much like that too. I would show up frequently for a bit and then I would, I wouldn't do anything for a while. Like there was no consistency mm-hmm. uh, in what I was doing, but that was because of my own fears and hesitations and my own, right. my own head junk kind of thing. Right. Um. So, yeah. So just, you know, for those of you guys listening, be aware of your actions on Instagram because it is teaching the algorithms how to respond to your account. And yeah. um, that consistency is so important. You yeah. mentioned about there's a couple things that people can do to turn leads or to turn new followers and to turn your account, those those people into leads and into your things. Do you want to give a couple tips maybe to help people do that? I'd love to hear that myself. Yes. And my first tip is super controversial. So everybody has to like, listen to me very carefully. Okay. <laughs> um, we've all been DM'd by random people. Okay. We've all gotten them. We've all mm-hmm. gotten that random DM from somebody who's like, hi, I noticed that you're a coach. Do you want to attend my masterclass? Here's the link to it, right? Let me know what you think. Bye. Thanks. Right. We've all gotten those and mm-hmm. we just roll our eyes. It's like, oh, it's like, yeah, like you don't need, did you even see my account? Right. Like, did you even like, no, like that wasn't a thing. We've also received messages from weird dudes finding love. (laughs) Right. Um, We've received all of these DMs and has made us really, really jaded about DMs. But I'm going to tell you one thing. If you're not talking to your followers on DMs, you are missing the whole point of engagement. So. Like if I, if I were to give like a tip, number one is to figure Uh out a way to talk to your followers. Now, the way that I do it is I don't do it automatically. I don't, you know, no auto auto publishing or whatever. No auto like things like I, I'm going to say I used to have my VA go through my, uh, go through my followers like anybody who would follow me and then send them an automatic message just saying, Hey, thank you for the follow. I used to do that. I don't do that anymore. 
Okay. To me, engagement has become basically like it has to be me. It has to be authentic and it has to be like a, a, a handshake. It has to be a relationship mm. builder. It can't just be me talking at you. Right. So my, my, I don't have a standard greeting for followers, yeah. but if I see that you followed me right right now, I'm not greeting every single follower that I have right now. If somebody comments on my stuff, you bet that I'm checking out their profile mm -hmm. and that I'm finding out their name because normally like there's a lot of times where their username doesn't have their name in it. In fact, there is somebody that I met uh, who's, whose username is Calculating Grace. You can go check her out. She's awesome. Uh, calculating Grace. So the first time like she popped a message to me, I said, oh, hello, Grace. <laughs> and she's like, that's not my name. <laughs> and I'm like, uh, oh, shoot. Like go to people's profiles. Find their names. I'll tell yeah. you, somebody's name is probably the most important part about them. And Shana and I had a little like funny story. She's like, hi, Ina. And I'm like, hi, Shonda. And he's like, yeah. okay, let's stop. <laughs> we were both mispronouncing our names. <laughs> yeah. This, this happened that, like a while ago. Like, wait a minute. Our names are really, really important. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Say people's names. So I mm -hmm. always check out their profile. We say their name. Yeah. Um, if I go to their profile and I see something that moves me, that entertained me, that mm -hmm. educated me, you bet I'm going to send them a DM to tell them that it did. Okay. Yeah. You bet that I'm going mm -hmm. to. So I'm going to tell you, I'm just going to give you something that comes from the real world, right? Like if mm -hmm. I run into Shana at the coffee shop and I tell her, Oh, I love your shoes. Shana, what would you do? I'm like, Oh, thank you. I, uh, I got them at so-and-so or whatever. I would tell you where I probably got them and if they were on sale, that's <laughs> usually would what you, I do. <laughs> right? Would you ever consider looking at me and turning around and completely ignoring the fact that I said that? No, not at all. Okay. I'd be like, oh, hey. <laughs> right? Yeah. That's what happens when you tell someone that yeah. wow, what you did reached me, right? That I love your shoes, that I saw your reel and oh my God, it went right through my soul, right? Yeah. But you have to have had you have to have checked out her shoes. You have yeah. to have had checked out her reel. You have to have had, had a, like a connection with whatever they were creating. Mm -hmm. So when you connect to somebody in that way, their reaction is not to ignore you. Their reaction is to go, oh my God, thanks. I put so much work into that. Right? Yeah. So when I engage with people, it's got to come from a place that is really authentic and genuine to me. It's not automatic and it's not a standard script and it's not, hey, come check out my masterclass. Yeah. So that's kind of tip number one, talking to your followers from a really authentic place. Mm -hmm. Does that one yeah. make sense? I love that. Yeah, absolutely. It makes sense. Well, and that's how you and I got connected and, and this whole thing. You DM'd me and was like, I listened to your podcast. I loved it. I'm doing this too. And then we've created this connection and exactly it's leading exactly. to all these things. Yeah. And if I had to give you one more tip. Never assume that just because somebody's following you or because they have the right thing on their bio, that they are your ideal client. Mm. Because that is presumptuous, that it in many cases is going to turn out to be not true. So I'm going to tell you a clear example, right? I work with coaches with small audiences to mm. get clients. So how easy would it be? For me to just go to Instagram and see, oh, they have the word coach in their bio and mm -hmm. they have an audience of fewer than 1,000 followers. Boom, ideal client, right? Hey, come check out my masterclass. Mm -hmm. No, 
because you know what could be happening behind the scenes. Number one, they could already be working with a coach. Number two, the reason they have a small audience is because they actually have a larger audience on Facebook because that's where yeah. they spend their time. Uh, the reason they have a small audience, actually their business is doing really, really well. I just interviewed someone for the Global Phenomenon podcast who had at the time of our interview, 1600 followers on Instagram, and she's a million dollar coach, mm-hmm. right? So there's never a moment where I look at your account and I assume this person is my ideal client and they need to check out my masterclass. Otherwise they're totally screwed, right? Mm -hmm. Never make that assumption. Always Mm -hmm. go into that DM conversation with an open mind. This person could be an amazing collaborating partner. This person could become your biggest fan and your biggest promoter. Maybe they love your stuff so much. They shared it so much that you got clients just from that. Even if that person never felt like they should be working with you. This has happened to me. There is this one person in my audience who relentlessly sends me leads, shares everything I do. Just this week, they made a connection over email they don't want to work with me. Like yeah. we, we've gotten on the phone so many times, like it's just not for me, but he loves my stuff. So never assume that that person is your ideal client because of something you saw in their bio. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think it, it just goes back to the point of, of what you said for point number one is get to know people authentically mm-hmm. before you, so that that way you can really make that, that decision or you can discover whether or not they are actually your ideal client. Exactly. You can't just, the, the thing is, is that there are so, <laughs> this is it's kind of moving into a different topic, but there are so many, um, so many things that people assume by looking at someone's profile, mm-hmm. but there are so many things behind the profile that you don't even know. Like I had an account with 15,000 followers. You might've thought that I was like a multi seven figure coach just because I had a big, you know, yeah, I was doing well, but not multi seven figures, but mm-hmm. you might think that looking at the number, right? So I think the whole thing with the numbers and followers and what things look like there's so many um, veils, let's say that, that are there that you have to actually get to know someone personally before you can really assume that they're what you think they are by their, you can't judge the book by the cover. Let's just say that. Right. Exactly. And that's, that's all I talk about on my social Mm -hmm. is don't make these assumptions, create connections genuinely Mm -hmm. and be patient. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I had, I recorded a reel that was like, you know, me talking about like, well, you know, you need to get to know your people. And then everybody else is like, yeah, but when do I sell? But when do yeah. I sell? And how do I sell? And like for, for me, the way that I explain this is sales is one coin with two sides. Mm-hmm. One side is your engagement, right? Actually making these meaningful mm-hmm. connections. And the other side is your content. Cause suppose that I have the best engagement game on the land, right? And I'm here making friends left and right. And in fact, my audience is growing because people love to talk to me. The problem is that when they click on my profile, they don't see what they need to see, right? Mm -hmm. If the content is not there, if the bio is not clear, if a call to action is not there, then you're basically losing, like leaking Mm -hmm. leads and sales, just a huge leakage. Mm -hmm. So your content has to be tight. There mm-hmm. is for sales to happen. Engagement is one part, but you got to know who you're talking to, how to engage them, how to get mm-hmm. them to stick around your profile, how to watch your videos, mm-hmm. like all of that part. I don't want to minimize it because it's going to be hugely important for people mm-hmm. to go from follower to lead. 
the client, if that makes sense. Well, and I think also don't be afraid to sell. Like I put call to action sometimes in my posts where it's like, Hey, the link is in my bio or DM me this word, or let's talk about it. This is open. Like I have this Mm -hmm. for sale. Like I'm going to help you because here's the thing that on that point that I want to share is like from an Mm -hmm. energetic standpoint is that sales comes through service. Right. So money comes through service. When we are of service to people and the world, money will flow to us, but money doesn't come from people. It comes through people. So you might have a a three day DM conversation with someone and you're of service to them and you're giving them tips and you're helping them and thinking that they're going to become a client and they don't. And like, you're like, oh, disappointed. I spent so much time, whatever, but you were of service. And that person didn't necessarily give you the money, but then the next day someone finds you out of the blue and signs up for your program without even having to have a single conversation. So understanding that money comes through people through service, not from people. So just because that particular person didn't work out, but you were of service, that's okay. It's going to come from through somebody else. You know what I'm saying? I had, I had never heard that Mm -hmm. before. That is Mm -hmm. a beautiful perspective. Yeah. Well, it takes the pressure off trying to, you know, it's just that if you just are of service, it's a law of cause and effect. So yeah. what you put out into the universe will always come back to you. So don't get so tight on, oh, I'm working this person and she's going to become a client. And, and, and then when it doesn't work out, you're disappointed and you're upset. It, you, you just bless and release because you know, it's going to come back through something else. I like that. I mm. like that a lot. Um, and mm. I also like what you said about, hey, don't be afraid of selling, which is yeah. why in your content, those calls to action are so important. So mm. you know what? Instagram, Facebook, all of these platforms, they are free. So mm-hmm. if I want to go to my Instagram and every other post is a sales post, that's what I want to do with my account. You are free to unsubscribe. You are free yeah. to not follow it, right? So, I mean, you should have a strategy for how you're not, you're turning leads into clients, but your content is where the selling happens. Yeah. Your content is where it belongs. You use your stories to sell. Use your posts to sell, mm-hmm. right? If you're in conversation with someone and they say, oh my God, I just really wish that I knew how to get my engagement up. I'm like, hey, I have a class for you. Did you see mm-hmm. that video that I posted? Maybe you might want to check that out. And guess what? There may be a call to action in that video. But yeah. now you're not just randomly assuming for them that this is what they need. They're telling you this is what they need and you can guide them to your content for the sale. So it's, but it's gotta be like that. It can't be mm-hmm. my first message is going to be the first yeah. thing that I sell. And yeah. that's what I want everybody to get. Cause yesterday I was teaching a class in a Facebook group where I was kind of, talking to them about engagement. And they told me that every time that they get a DM out of the blue from someone, they feel like, oh, that person is a chaser, right? Yeah. And they, and what, what stinks about that is that people who do it wrong, yeah. they're giving the whole, the whole process a bad rap, right? Yeah. So yep. don't let the fact that some people have made you feel crummy on DMs mm-hmm. dictate what you do in your DMs. I do my DMs my way in a way that I can go to sleep at night and feel great about it. And in a way that gets me awesome relationships, just because somebody else is doing it wrong, doesn't mean that it's the only way to do it. Well, and and I think that comes back to the energy behind what they're doing. Those people who are just DMing you cold and being like, Hey, here's the thing, sign up for this thing. They're doing it because they want 
they're, they're, they want the money, you know, they want the thing where when you do it from a place of like, I confidently believe in what I sell, I know what I'm selling and I know it helps people. And I know I'm of service and I know it's going to change your life. And you're selling from that energetic standpoint that has a different feeling to it. And so here's the thing. People feel the energy behind what you're doing. So if you're coming at it from a place of, I just want to make a sale, People on the other end feel that they might not feel that exact thing, but they might feel icky about it. Well, why do they feel icky about it? Because you're coming from it, from that energy. But when you come from it, from a place of, I really have something that's going to help you and it's going to really change your business. They're going to feel that energy of like, oh, this is really what I need because the energy behind it is different. And so you've got to be thinking about that before you send these messages is what's my intention with this. Exactly. Is it to serve? Yeah, and, I, and I'm going to say right now, I will never judge other people for the way that they want to handle their mm-hmm. sales. I actually have um, a good friend who all he does is cold message and he has a system in place to actually cold message 70 people a day. Like it's wow. a, it's a system that he has. And here's why his method works for him because he's going for the numbers game. He's mm. not going for the, uh, you know, let, let me establish relationships. He's like, if I message 70 people a day, eventually some statistically speaking are going to book a call with me. Right. Mm-hmm. And his business works, but I don't know about you, but I don't know where I would even start messaging 70 people a day. <laughs> like that. Would I, sometimes, not... I sometimes have trouble getting one post out in a day. Right. <laughs> so that's that. That would not, yeah. that it just does, it, it's not something that I could mm-hmm. implement at this point in time. It's just not, it's not going to be a thing. So when we have a small audience, we have basically a, a unique set of circumstances that require us to value that relationship, mm-hmm. to not burn bridges, to not go mm-hmm. for the numbers game. Because technically, if I were to send a message right now to all 457 of my followers with a link to a masterclass. Yes. A small percentage are going to say yes to it, but then what am I going to do tomorrow? You know what I mean? So the relationships are ones are going to continue to give me these high story views, this loyalty, this trust, Mm -hmm. the people who are watching right now, maybe the ones who sign up on mass next Mm -hmm. year. Right. Mm -hmm. So it's all about the relationship when you have a small audience in particularly Mm -hmm. every other system. Yes, they work. Mm-hmm. Are you going to implement it that way? Is that what feels good to you? Is that what you really want to do? Do what feels yeah, good. Feels good. What's you. in alignment for you. I love it. Yeah. This has been such a great conversation. And I, we like, we could sit here all day and do this. <laughs> totally. <laughs> and talk about this. Yeah, don't but get me started. What, what I'd love to do is uh, where can people find you? One, if you guys are listening, you want to make sure you follow Ina's account. Um, she does amazing posts, lots of tips. She's got lots of guests on there um, and she's really just giving high value. Uh, so where can they find you on Instagram? What, uh, share all the things. Thank you so much, Shana, uh, for giving me this opportunity. So everybody can go and find me on Instagram at your engagement coach. No periods, no dashes, no underscores. Your engagement coach right there. Um, also, um, you can go, since you're on a podcast right now, find the global phenomenon podcast. That's me. Okay. Go and follow it right now. We're gearing up for season two. I don't know when this is going live, but we're gearing up for season two and it's going to be amazing. And I had a little gift for everybody to help you with engagement. So here's the deal. I created, I literally sat down and I wrote down 
100 ways to create posts that will enable you to take proactive action to engage with people. Okay. Mm. This is not a calendar, uh, a content calendar. This mm. is every single thing that I put on this list are things that are going to help you be proactive about engagement and engagement. I don't define it as likes and comments. I define it as establishing relationships with your mm. followers and, and starting conversations. So you can find 100 conversation starters. It's called 100 engagement post ideas and you can find it at 100postideas.com. That's the number 100 postideas.com. Go and download it. It's totally free and it's going to help you with your engagement. I love that. Thank you for doing that. And we'll put all of those links, of course, in the show notes um, to anything that we've talked about uh, in this interview, but make sure I did grab your download as soon as we met. And I loved it. I was like, wow, this has got a ton of information in it. And so thank you for putting that together. Thank uh, for you everyone. for printing. I remember you printed it out. You I showed did. me that you had it printed. I'm like, I, that is awesome. I am old school. I have a printer here. I like everything has to be paper. I like to pen and paper everything. So no, I <laughs> did. Um, so thank you for that. And thank you for being here and sharing all your wisdom with your story, your vulnerability and your wisdom with the audience here on the Pursuit Podcast. This has been so much fun. So Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much, Shana. This has been great. You're su- just such a great conversationalist. Like I, <laughs> we could literally be here for another two hours. So thank well, you. You know, it's funny. My nickname as a child was Motormouth because I talk a lot. So <laughs> I think it's serving me well now because I just yes. love to have these kind of conversations. So you're exactly thank- where you're meant to be. Thank you, Ina. Thank you.